Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining this week's Generation Digital Workforce. This is Zena coming at you from Austin, Texas. Thanks, everyone, for joining me this week. You're going to be super excited to join this week and hear from Neil Wright. Neil Wright's been with Blue Prism for about 12 years now and was the founder of the robotic operating model. Neil, welcome to the program. Thank you, Zena, and I'm delighted to be with you today to talk more about uh, the RPA market and the intelligent digital workforce uh, that it has created. Uh, I started, as Zena said, many years ago, back in 2008. Some people have said that I am one of the founding fathers of the RPA market. I led a team initially of five people as we delivered the first thousand or so digital workers to organizations uh, across the globe during the years, say, 2008 through 2015. We created a robotic operating model, which has been then used successfully by organizations across the planet to roll out their uh, digital workforce at scale over the last few years. We've learned an incredible amount of that in that time. It's a truly exciting market to be in, and this is a really exciting time to be a part of it. So delighted to be here and delighted to answer any questions that you've got, Zena. Awesome. Thank you, Neil. So glad you could join us today. And I do think one of the founding fathers is an apropos title for you to take, being that you have been part of the RPA even before it was called RPA. Um, Yes. So I think it's a really good perspective that you bring to us in looking at this market, this industry, if you will, as a whole. You know, if if you take yourself back 24 to 36 months, you you probably are seeing things happen today that you may have predicted, may not have predicted, but also probably are pretty exciting to you. Let me ask you to push us 24 to 36 months into the future. What is your prediction for what the digital workforce will look like two to three years from now? And how will businesses really be just fundamentally different because of this digital worker that doesn't exist in most businesses today? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, so let's start by first of all looking, you know, where we're at at the moment with the, with digital workforces. And really, when we look at it, some of the biggest workforces um, across the planet, digital workforces across the planet, are only really hundreds of workers, right? These digital workers, which are these multi-skilled, multilingual resources that are available 24-7 and can be seamlessly assigned processes across an entire organization in line with its business demand. At the moment, um, the vast majority of those digital workers are native to each organization. So they're installed on-premise. They're really focusing in pockets of those organizations, and they're primarily automating activities that are leveraging digital structured data. And that tells you a really important story of where we are in the maturity of the RPA market. Because actually what it tells you is that we're very early in the market. Although it's been around for a long time, it's brand new. As of two to three years ago, we, there was you know, hundreds of customers. 
uh, of Blue Prism. Now, there are thousands of Blue Prism customers. So that's thousands of companies that are using Blue Prism to build their digital workforce. That's hundreds of thousands of people that two or three years ago had never even heard of RPA and never understood the concept of a digital workforce. So if that's where we are now, let's look to the future. Well, every single organization, large-scale organization, has tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people working a whole series of different processes across their organization. So as we look to the future, what I predict is that we'll start seeing thousands of digital workers transcending all areas of enterprise organizations. We'll see a trend towards more and more of those digital workers being leveraged on demand from the cloud. And we'll start to see much more intelligence built in to the digital workforce as the AI hype curve moves through into the, the delivery, uh, actually delivering real world solutions that are then embedded in the intelligent digital workforce. We're already starting to see that happen through our Blue Prism cloud offerings and our Decipher product offering. What do I mean by intelligence? At the moment, primarily, processes are digital structured data. The intelligence is really around uh, structuring, structuring unstructured data and digitizing non-digital data. So think of a digital worker as, uh, as if it was a human being. The RPA component that Blue Prism provides is very much about being the fingers on the keyboard. The intelligence that gets added to that is by adding things like the eyes to be able to see, which is what our Decipher product does. It adds the ears to be able to translate, say, voice to text. It adds a brain that can do cognitive thinking. It adds the legs, the workflow, to move the work through the workplace. So that's what we mean by intelligence. Replicating all the attributes of a human worker these key skills of a human worker and replicating them into a digital worker. So as we look for that 24 to 36 months future, we're going to see increased number of digital workforce. We're going to see familiarity. People are going to start to work more and more with digital workers and become familiar with them. And what the digital workers will be doing is they'll be taking more and more of the administrative functions away from the human workforce, leaving the human workforce available to do more of the human-centric activities, the cognitive thinking activities, the relationship-based activities. Does that help paint a picture, Zena? It really does help paint a picture. And w one of the ideas that, you know, I've been thinking about is, you know, we're living in this time when the digital workforce is something that's new and unique and and we're actually calling it out the digital workforce versus the the human workforce but i'm curious how do you see this line blurring between human and digital workers over time and do you see a point in the 24 36 month future when hiring managers sit down to, to conceive of growing their team and actually having one of the questions be, am I adding a human or a digital worker? 
Can you tell us a little bit about what you see, how that line blurs, and we just end up at the workforce of the future versus this human versus digital workforce sort of paradigm that we live in today? I think that's exactly right. As, as the presence of the digital worker becomes more ubiquitous in many organizations, then the, the human workers are going to culturally adopt the digital workers as, uh, as they, um, so that we'll see an increase in policies for digital workers, okay? So the, the, the corporate policy handbook may well extend, so it's got the policies for how to onboard a digital worker as well as how to onboard a human worker. Humans are going to turn up to work in the morning grateful for the fact that the digital workers have been working all night to get work ready for them to action. Work such as that the humans can do, such as making calls to customers, building relationships with other humans, selling more corporate product, and increasing their personal productivity. All of these things start to then help the humans to do this cultural adoption of uh, the, the digital workforce. Does that help answer your question? Yes, absolutely. So if you were a hiring manager today, how would you start thinking about organizationally, how to incorporate a digital workforce into your team? How would you start thinking about that today, knowing that in 24 months from now, digital workers will be ubiquitous in the workplace? How as a hiring manager do I start thinking about that today? Key thing to understand is what, how do you, what processes are uh, suitable for automation? For the digital workforce to take control of? How do you start empowering your human workforce to be the driving force behind what becomes what work gets given to the digital workforce? What objectives do you set your organization? What, what uh, vision strategy goals do you set for your teams within the organization that says the future is the workforce, which is a blend of human and digital. Each bring their own skills to the party. The skills that the humans bring are around where relationships with other humans are required. So customer service, customer satisfaction, sales, that sort of thing. So that's where the humans can operate. Where do the, what are the skills that the digital workers bring? These mundane tasks, these repetitive tasks, these areas where there's interpretation of text that's required, these areas where there's tricky invoices to read and extraction of data from those invoices. All these activities at the moment, the default uh, thought process is either uh, we'll throw more human beings at it or we'll uh, put a request on the, uh, for uh, an IT system that can be brought in, an IT program that can be brought in uh, to uh, change uh, the, the system infrastructure to be able to accommodate that. What if there was a different way? What if the business teams became empowered to identify processes for automation and to have the technologies available to them to be able to actually configure those automations themselves? So looking at what does the uh, workplace of the future look like, and if you're a manager trying to shape up ready for that, start thinking about how to understand what the different process, what the different options are for process automation, what candidates you could use within your process landscape for automation. 
Start looking at what roles you need within the organization to understand the different technologies that are available to the business to be able to do this configuration of these uh, and orchestration of these automation activities. So therefore getting the intelligent digital workforce to be operating these processes. These are some of the things that are, I see happening in the next 24 to 36 months. But there's many other things that I'm sure will happen alongside this. I'm trying to paint a picture of what we can sort of see is going to happen. And I, I'm just delighted that I'm going to be a part of the next two to three years and seeing how the, the potential that's here at the moment really starts to get realized and we start to see the workforce of the future starting to take shape. <clears throat> yeah, it's super exciting, isn't it? One of the questions that I hear a lot of people looking for clarity around is the difference between what I will call a digital assistant and a digital workforce. You know, a digital assistant could be something that I have as a personal tool that I am able to expedite some of the things that I might do on a routine basis on my desktop. And so I might have a desktop assistant that helps me kind of speed up some of the work I'm doing. Can you help um, our audience understand what's the difference between that digital assistant, that individual productivity tool that somebody might have that helps them versus what is a digital worker and a digital workforce for the business and, the, and how those two things are fundamentally different? Oh, absolutely. It's a really, really good question. So a digital assistant sits on your desktop and is actually redundant for a lot of the time. It sits there inactive. It's waiting for you to tell it what to do next. The digital worker is a centralized corporate asset. It's available 24-7. It can switch seamlessly between processes across the entire organization. So if it's not working on processes for you, it can be working for processes in other parts of the organization, in different languages, in different time zones. By having this corporate asset that brings you the security, it brings you the control, and it brings the scalability to ensure that you as an organization, your organization, has full control over the digital workforce. You as an individual have full control over the digital workers that are performing the activities that you trigger for them to do. Does that help explain the difference, Ina? It does explain the difference very well. And I think that it's a very important difference because as we begin to talk about the uh, digital workforce generation and what it brings, we are looking to build an entire new capability within a business, not provide a personal productivity tool, which is one of the reasons why I really wanted to, to get that out in one of my first episodes as to what that difference was. You've already talked about some some of the things that digital workers are good at and enabling, you know, humans to do the things that we're better at. In your experience over the last what 12 plus years now has it been, what is the coolest thing you've seen a digital worker do today? What's the coolest uh, digital worker that you've met? <laughs> oh, I, I've met a lot of digital workers. That's a really good question. I think uh, for me, one of the coolest, because um, it really resonated with me, was, was um, 
we were primarily a financial services in the early days, so where we implemented most of our processes. And, and I'm from a financial services background, so I wasn't really surprised uh, by a lot of the processes because I'd sort of been seeing them uh, in, in my previous careers. One of our uh, earliest uh, customers that we brought in outside of customers, outside of financial services, was actually a logistics company. And what they did is they had this really cool digital worker that could interpret the engine management uh, warning side signals that were being issued to the drivers. And by doing that, what they could do is they could tell the driver exactly what that driver needed to do next. As a direct result of implementing that process, that digital worker stopped all uh, engine blowouts from happening in the following months after it was implemented. Because instead of the drivers continuing to drive to the next truck stop or drive on or misinterpret the, the instructions that were coming from the, the engine management system, the digital worker did that interpretation. The digital worker provided the instructions to the driver and the digital worker reported to uh, the office what was happening. And that meant that the trucks were taken off the road before the engine issues got catastrophic. So a great example that sticks in my mind because it was the first time I'd really seen something outside of the standard financial services market being digitized, having a digital worker uh, do it. And, and so I thought that was particularly exciting. Oh, I love it. It's like your digital worker has become your air traffic controller for your big rigs. Love it. <laughs> super cool. Exactly right, yes. That's right. Cool. And it actually now helps, it helps the, the, the same digital workers now actually help the, um, the truckers to avoid hurricanes. Uh, when hurricanes are coming in, uh, they get hurricane warnings, bad weather, so they can avoid the areas as well. So, again, saving considerable cost uh, and considerable inefficiencies uh, in the logistics chain. Yeah, supply chain has probably got a ton of other ap applicable uh, roles for digital workers. Do you want to share yes, any so other that, that comes to mind? Um, yeah, another one, again, is uh, related to logistics, which is uh, air travel and um, the filling of the cargo hold and uh, a lot of a lot of the work that's around understanding how full a cargo hold is for the airlines, uh, particularly the the um, logistics ones, is by uh, by manual by processes of spreadsheets, and so they have to allow some contingency in how full they get their cargo hold uh, to allow for uh, mistakes. They're never quite sure exactly what's in there. Well, now we have uh, airlines that are actually doing uh, the digital workers uh, are actually monitoring exactly what is getting uh, put in the manifest for the cargo hold. So now the, the, the freight providers can actually put more into the hull safely, knowing that they've got exactly the right weight and size in there. And so what it does there is it increases, effectively it increases the amount of freight that can be carried by those airlines for exactly the same cost. Yeah, and the time and speed at which it does it is unparalleled to a human and actually allows these carriers to change uh, more quickly what cargo is going to go into the plane so that they can actually optimize their business. Yeah. Um, 
Super, super cool. I had not actually heard that example, Neil. So you, you shared a new one with me and I've been around two years. So oh, cool. super <laughs> exciting. <laughs> um, one of the things that the, uh, the I, I believe it's called the Institute of the Future of Work, I believe is the, is the body uh, of uh, the organization. They put out a, a research study last year that said that 80% of jobs that primary school kids will take, you know, when they turn 25, haven't yet been invented. I'm curious, do you have any insight into what human jobs haven't yet been created that will because of the, the intelligent automation phase that we're living through right now? Yes, indeed. I, I, we're already, I mean, I, what I can do is, is answer based on what I've seen already. And one really interesting role I'm already seeing brought into organizations is uh, ahead of the future of work. So this is becoming a role now uh, where people are looking at what does the workforce of the future look like? And this is an acknowledgement of these uh, initial few thousand digital worker organizations that actually the future of work is changing. So we need a role to manage what that transition looks like. What do, what are the skills that we're going to require as an organization moving forwards? What are the skills required to operate alongside the digital workers? What are the skills required to configure the digital workers and support those digital workers? So roles that we're starting to see emerge or can start to see the need for. Things like digital workforce team leader. So this is someone who really has, has ownership of uh, hundreds of digital workers and is, is responsible in human terms, if you like, for their well-being to make sure that the digital workers are being fed the work, that they are uh, productive, that they're efficient and effective, and that the, their benefits that they're providing are articulated correctly through the management chain. So people can understand exactly what it is that the digital workers are doing, what the digital workers require in order to do, in order to be able to do even more of what they're doing, and what the value is that's being returned to the organization as a result of the digital workforce. You know, Neil, that um, you just yeah, made me think of a question. Yeah, can digital workers? It. Yeah, can digital workers get sick? Yes, they can. <laughs> they can. That, uh, because you said you need a manager to take care of them. So I'm like, well, do they get sick? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. And this is a really interesting, interesting dynamic. And as organizations start to culturally adopt uh, the, the digital workforce, they see them more and more as uh, human-like forms. Uh, and a great example of this is one of our customers that's been a customer since 2008, actually. And the way they talk about their digital workforce is if one of the digital workers is running slower than the others, right? They say that it's, it is feeling sick, it is not feeling well, right? Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that it's got a cold or the flu. What it means is maybe the virtual machine that it is running on is actually uh, not running fast enough for some reason, perhaps the network connectivity, or uh, perhaps there's something in the memory of that virtual machine. So the well-being of a, of a digital worker is related to the technology that provides the support uh, to make sure that that digital worker can operate. In the same way that the well-being of a human worker 
is really influenced by the technology that made our body, right? That is our body. Does that make sense, Zena? Yes, it does make sense. I had never really thought about it before until you said that, you know, digital workers needed managers <laughs> for all sorts of reasons. And I'm like, well, huh, they might need to call in sick, but they really wouldn't call in sick. Yes. But your, your description of it, right. your yes. description of it explained it, though, and, and makes it very clear. And in that same vein, you know, we, we do see that um, what customers uh, start doing is they actually start naming their digital workers, right? And this, again, makes them feel more human, right? So they might, I, I've heard in the past uh, phrases like, you know, um, where the digital worker does some of the work, the team leader might say, oh, yeah, we pass all of our boring work to Poppy. Poppy is, is just, you know, it's a digital worker. And it takes that work. But the way that the team thinks of it is that it's Poppy that is doing that work. Again, this is about the organization seeing it just as a single workforce, uh, just as you described earlier on, uh, Zena. It's just a single workforce. Poppy has to do some of the work. The humans happen to do some of the work. Why do you think, um, you know, and maybe it's because, Neil, you and I are so part of this intelligent automation, um, you know, revolution, if you will, movement, whatever word you choose to use that we're living through, that it's not a fearful thing to me. But why do you think that this idea of digital workers does create some fear for some people. And, you know, for me, a, a fear is a false expectation appearing real. So I always like to kind of give it that you know, um, vernacular and, and something to look at, because if you think of fear as a false expectation of fear appearing real, then you can sort of take yourself out of it and try to see past it. But what do you think causes the fear that some workers have today when they hear of this intelligent automation or this digital workforce? Where do you think it's coming from and how do you think we should help our human workers overcome that fear? Yeah, and this, I get asked this question a, a lot. And for me, a lot of the fear is the fear of the unknown, right? The fear of the threat to peace, people's uh, personal roles. Now, I've been now 12 years operating uh, in, the, in this community, and I've never seen anyone lose their job as a result of a digital worker taking on some of the activities. What I've seen is that people have taken on more interesting jobs. They've engaged more with other people. They've spent more time on the phone. They've had to spend less time translating information from a spreadsheet into a system and making a decision based on the criteria that has been defined for them to make that decision. The robot can do all of that. Let the human do the interesting work. So by thinking of it as, for a lot of it for me, is about explaining and evangelizing what a digital workforce actually means and what it means to the individual humans that are going to be working alongside that digital worker and how that there's going to be a seamless interaction of, of activity between the human worker and the digital worker and that there's always going to be a need for that human worker and actually that that human worker is going to be more satisfied with the role that they perform when the digital worker has taken the skills that the digital worker can do. And that the individual productivity of those individual human beings is going to increase. And the career progression paths 
are going to increase as these new roles open up within the organization. Roles such as you know, an intelligent automation engineer, let's call it, or a configurator, as some of our customers call it. So these are people sometimes straight out of college without an IT background who are able to create these automated processes by configuring multiple platforms, deliver rapid business value in this structured, controlled, and scalable manner in through the digital workforce. So this is a fantastic opportunity for career, career progression, as well as an opportunity to have more excitement and more satisfaction out of the role that individuals perform on a daily basis in large organizations. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It, it, it is the fear, the false expectation appearing real that there will be no more jobs for humans. But yes. of course, with all of the industrial uh, revolutions we've been through in the past, well, you and I are still here working, aren't we, Neil? If if we, I mean, I I would be more than happy to let the digital workers take over, um, <laughs> but not yeah. not everybody I think, is. I think it's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long time coming. I agree. So. Absolutely. Super um, fabulous conversation here today. I do have one um, final question, if there's nothing else that you want to share with our audience. Uh, just to say, um, don't, don't be afraid of the digital workforce. Embrace it. It's part of the future. It's early on in that future. So jump aboard the train now. Be a part of it and be a part of taking the next industrial revolution through, to its, uh, through maturity. Yeah, it's exciting to be a part of, and I uh, also encourage all of our listeners out there to hop in and learn more and ride this wave. Um, it is a lot of fun. And now it's, it's, it's uh, it, is. It, it is, it is a lot of fun. And um, couldn't agree with you more. Everything you've said, Neil, um, natural attrition um, sits at about 20% in most companies. All the customers I've worked with, I've asked them what their attrition due to automation is, and it, you know, oftentimes is not even calc uh, is not even calculated, but would be in the very low percentages. Certainly nowhere yeah. near what natural attrition does for businesses. So it, it is a it is a yeah. fear uh, that is unfounded, but a good one for us to keep our eye on and making sure that our human workers, <laughs> you know, do feel empowered by the digital workforce and how to really leverage it in their future business. So lots of lots of uh, exciting things. So I always like to end Absolutely. my episodes with what I call the Zena Zinger. It's just a fun question to to end us on, uh, in a fun in a fun way. So we've talked a lot about the digital workers taking on human characteristics. You know, you you said that they could, you know, get eyes and start to read, uh, you know, natural language processing and, and different human attributes, if you will. If a digital worker needed shoes, what kind of shoes would they wear and why? The digital workers would wear sneakers. And the reason that they would wear sneakers is because they need to be moving fast. They need to be moving fast to get through the processes. They need to be comfortable when they're operating fast because they get everything right first time and they need to be first past the post. How does that sound? That is a very it. good question. I love it. Sneakers are my favorite kind of shoes. So I think that that's what they would wear too. They definitely wouldn't wear uh, dancing shoes. 
no. No. <laughs> Neil, thank no, you so much. That's amazing. I, 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 I would have to choose in this in this community. <laughs> well, we do have to stay on our toes, so you know, you never know. Neil, thank you so much for joining uh, me today with the Generation Digital Workforce podcast. And I look forward to a future episode where I'll welcome you back. And I look forward to it as well. Thank you very much, Zena. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Join us next time for Generation Digital Workforce. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.